All right, let's go. All right, all right, all right, all right. And now I think we should talk about uh, Carey Price. Uh, and uh, I know that's the big news. He hasn't won a game yet. I feel sorry for him because I like him. I had him in the prospect game. Boy, he's a big guy. I tell you, he's big. He's like, somebody's bent over all the time. Anyhow, they, they, uh, you can see the team really, the Montreal Canadiens really wanted to win for him. He had 44 shots again last night. 16 to 2 in in the third period. They wanted to win for him, and it's quite evident that they really like Kerry. Yeah. Well, I think it's going to take a while for him to get back. I mean, he's. Well, he, he did pretty good last year. He stepped in last year. Yeah, but he, play, he, he played, though, and then he was yeah. out, and then he's back. So, I mean, you don't want to get him. He, he wants to keep him in the Shane Wright Derby, right? Yeah. <laughs> they better be careful because Arizona right now is winning by one. <laughs> One point, and whoever gets uh, Shane Wright, uh, he's a franchise player, that's for sure. And um, they're, they're, as we speak right now, I don't know how they're going to play this afternoon, Sunday afternoon, and um, they're up one nothing, boy. At, uh, but it looks like in junior hockey, Hamilton is the team to beat, eh? Yes, so the OHL playoff, Scott, and uh, I think Kingston's playing, where Shane Wright is, are playing Oshawa, I think, and they won, and... Yeah, Hamilton looks like they could be take Ontario, and they'll be pretty tough Stan to beat. Steos, he's been Stephen Steos, yeah, yeah, and uh, he was a good hockey player, a good honest hockey player, and I'm glad he's doing well. Yeah, I mean, and you know, it's just we talked about this before, Cindy. It's sad how the hockey, like the the news, just ignores minor hockey. That's like for mo- sure. like majority of people in Toronto and the the bigger cities, they have no idea that the uh, the, the OHL is going or the Hamilton is, is or Hamilton's like could win the Memorial Cup and Sportsnet and Rogers on the fan and all that. They they just don't care and they don't talk about. It. They'd rather talk about NCAA basketball. Yeah. Then talk about the OHL. Well, it sounds like they're very, very in, intelligent. Yeah. When they talk. I remember a guy that I was, I, I do have, I, I do get my dander up when people say, oh, I'm a big NCAA basketball fan who never, you know. And lives they're in- so into March Madness. Well, it sounds. Eh? Right. Yeah, March Madness. I know you, that's a big thing with you. I know that. Uh, well, you know well, what? You're, you're involved, in, uh, Tim. You're involved with, uh, how, how, many years did, how many years did we go out? 17 years. Do we go with 17 years? Yeah. Scudder with the OHL for 17 years. And it's just, it's awful the way they just do not get depressed. In, in the papers, they don't get anything. On the radio, on the news. And the reason is, and I will say this again, is because the Canadian media is lazy. And it's too expensive to go out and shoot a highlight pack and go and send it back. And, you know, they just, they'd rather just pull footage off of, you know, um, the NCAA stuff. Well, on that note, though, can't the OHL, can't they self-promote a bit and saying, here's the highlights of, because you know yeah. they're, they're on. They're local, lazy, too. They're, they are. They're, they're on local cable, so they so they are televising the game somewhere, somewhere. So well, they used somehow to. they should have Remember Tim, done uh, a highlight tape and sent it out to Sportsnet. Yeah. Well, they did it one time. They did all the games. Remember, uh, remember, uh, remember they? Well, they used to, Rogers used to televise minor hockey. Yeah. And then one day they, Pulled the plug on it, like just Wednesday. It's funny what? that we talked with that guy 
I, Mary, well, well do you want story. to should I give you my conspiracy theory? No, well, just tell a story and let them. Well, this is this theory was that you we used to go out and watch, and, and Rogers used to televise um, the minor midget games that were going right. back then. And they would have and they would have cameras. They have a whole crew set up, and they would have, you know, a color guy and a play by play, and yeah. they would they'd be all dressed and up and in suits, and they they treated it like it was like a real game, like it was like a professional game. And every once we we got to know the um, the director, and um, every because every once in a while when there's because there's no parking around these rinks, no. they'd let us park near the near the the uh, truck where they were doing the game, the mobile. So. Every once in a while, he would call and say, I see you're in the stands. Can your dad? And you'd go up and you'd talk. You'd, yeah. you'd do either, you know, do some color or you'd talk between the periods. And you knew the kids. because I knew were, all the kids. Because we were watching them. It was a good interview. I remember you were talking just as clearly about these kids as you were the NHL. Well, I, you knew, knew them. I knew them all. You knew yeah. them all. You knew their parents. You knew everything. So one day I was sitting with a guy from Rogers who was connected with Hockey Night in Canada. I won't mention his name. And... I got a phone call and I said, yeah. So I said, dad, they want you to go up in the mobile and he, you know, go up and do an interview. So he said, okay, so period's over. You, you went up and the guy from Hockey Night in Canada says, who, who did you, who was on the phone? I says, well, it's the director. He goes, and he's got, you're from England too. I yeah. Think. He was an English guy. He goes, he, he has direct access to, he goes, our star. And I go, well, I said, he's got direct access to me. And then I said, I tell dad. And I said, you know, these guys are struggling. You know, they're grinding it out. And we, yeah. we want to help them. And, you know, it's a big deal for them. He says, so he goes, so your dad goes up. And he says, he's on Hockey Night in Canada. And he goes up and talks to these guys. And I said, yep. Next week, canceled. But they were all gone. All gone. No more. No more Yeah, time. I remember that. I, I, I was wondering yeah. why I wasn't asked. Yeah, that was unbelievable. I remember you saying that. I mean, that's scary. You know what I mean? It's yeah. so well, unfair. So now you have to make your own conclusions. You don't. Yeah, I make your own conclusions. That's... But I, I was well, maybe not the next week, but within, within, with within the month, they've stopped doing it. And um, I just, I, I, and I thought, is that a coincidence? I don't know. Yeah, you go. Remember, it was cold in, in those arenas, and I, oh. I remember I used to be, I used to get dressed warm. Believe me. And uh, so here's the thing, Dad. We're talking about minor hockey. Hockey's over, minor hockey's over now, right? You know, yeah. and all the things are over and they're getting ready for the OHL draft and, and all that. So the big question is, should kids play hockey all summer? You know, that's a, I've been asked that so many times. I like three on three. I really like three on three. I, that, that is three on three. Cindy, remember, remember, Cindy, tell us about that three on three. Oh, done. we used to love it. I mean, uh, you know, even though my son was the goalie, it's great for goalies. We only had one goalie per team, so there was no rotation. And he got a million shots on him. I mean, there was lots of shots. And, and we the kids really, handle the puck. We, they, they, it's wide open, the wide open ice, so not all this pass, pass, pass stuff. They go and they'd rush on them, a lot of, you know, two-on-ones and things like that. I really enjoyed it. I think the kids enjoyed it. It wasn't too much. It wasn't as competitive as during the season and all. So, um, you know, I I think it was good. And, you know, the kids can have fun. What do you think, Tim? Well, I I think that, like, the one good thing, like, you when you and I went and watched it, that's the first thing we noticed is the kids handle the puck a lot more. Yeah. You know, and that that that's the you know when breakaways and, and breakaways and stuff. And that, and the funny thing, I remember talking to Jason Spezza's dad about two years ago, and we were talking, and I said, you know, what do you think of the hockey now? And he's and his thing was, 
nobody, none of the kids handle the puck. And he says, it, they're told, pass, pass, pass. Yeah, says, and you know, let's say like a summer league where they're on the ice for five I times. think they should be anxious, Tim. I remember when I when I was going, I remember I never, we didn't skate, they didn't have ice in the, in the summer and that. And I remember going on the ice, I was so nervous, I couldn't do up my skates. I was, my, my leg was shaking so bad. I think they have to have that little bit of, um, I don't know what the word is, hunger, hunger to come back up, to get back on the ice. If you skate every day or you skate three or four times a week, you lose that little hunger. But I don't know. The kids just seem to love the three-on-three, don't they, Cindy? They do, and uh, usually those kids, too. The only other sport they played was uh, a lot of the hockey players uh, play lacrosse. Yeah, lacrosse. So that was the crossover. Yeah, like that. And Dell played lacrosse, too. Don't talk about lacrosse because then they'll ruin it. Yeah. You went to see, well, they were only like five or six years old, Max and Max Domi and Dell. They played on the same team in lacrosse. Oh, yeah. I remember you were sitting with uh, Ty, and, and you weren't used to watching lacrosse, right? With them hitting. Oh, and not you, lacrosse. That's a cross tough sport. Check, cross check. And you're saying to Ty, they can hit like that legally? They can <laughs> hit like, yeah, Don, they can. Really? That is really you know something. Who, you know who I did that with was uh, Gretzky's dad. Uh, uh, I, I, I got asked to do. Uh, by Rob McDougall. Remember he used to right. do all yeah, he, yeah. And he asked if, if I go out with Gretzky and Gretzky's dad. We were standing in the penalty box. And they come out, they and they come out like little warriors. <laughs> they boom, are. Boom, 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 boom. And they they come out like running behind each other. And they, they, they do they do look like little warriors coming out there. They are. And I said I said to Gretzky's dad, Walter, I said, Walter, I said do they always cross-check like that? He saw, oh, yeah, that's nothing. This is an exhibition <laughs> game. Holy book. Shall I tell that story about walking out? I yeah, I've told it a couple of times, but it's a oh, good story. Oh, I think it's a great story. I'm walking out, and this kid come up to me. And right in, you know, he must have had a lot of nerve. He says, okay, who's the better hockey player, Wayne Gretzky or Bobby Orr? Holy <laughs> jeez. And here, I got Walter walking beside me. I said, I didn't know what to say. I had to think fast on my feet on that one. I said, Wayne Gretzky is the greatest hockey player in the world playing today. And Walter said to me, you know, you'd make a good politician. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Anyhow, so I'm supposed to pick between uh, 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 Matthews Yeah, and... we, we did the thing. Yes, we did last week. We did your, your picks, know. and then we didn't pick the heart. So well, you know McDavid. I, I know McDavid. He's a great friend of mine. Uh, but I, 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 I hate that. And, and, you know, the Leafs have been playing pretty good, played pretty good without him. With Matthews. Uh, without Matthews. Yeah. But I think with he'll probably get 60 goals. I think I got to go Matthews. I, McDavid says, well, what do I got to do? I got to I'm win the, I, I win the. Yeah, they got to spread it around a little bit. But here's I the thing. I don't know who to pick. So. I, I would, would pick Matthews, I guess, Matthews. with 50, yep. 60 goals. I mean, he, so you're going by the goals and all this. Isn't well, it supposed to be who's the most valuable to the team? I know. So the question is, say a guy plays in Arizona and they miss the playoffs, but he gets 200 points. Is he the most yeah. valuable guy to the team? Well, obviously not if they don't make the playoffs. That's right. Yeah, so playoff to, play, they, should, they should have two. They should have the Bobby Orr Trophy for the best player. Yeah, that'd be a good one. And then they have the, they, then they have the Hart Trophy for the most valuable player. Uh, well, I, I, I still... I I'm got, I picked Matthews because uh, Matthews got going to have sixty goals, and boy, the sixty goals today that that's that's quite a that's quite a feat. Dad, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Spreads.ca. They're a Canadian Canadian-owned 
online casino and sports book. And if you sign up now and use the promo grapes, they match your deposit up to $500. You get 10 spins on the big wheel. And if you get three of your jackets, you can win some big dough. And for your first sports bet, they'll spot you $25. Pretty good. Sounds pretty good to me. And what do they call it? Spread. Spreads. Go so spreads.ca. Okay. Well, I just so, thought... Dad, last week or before we talked about the slap that was heard around the world. And then this week, there was the, the punch that was heard around the world. So, what's your version of uh, Tyson taking on a guy well, you know, it's on fu- a plane? It's a funny thing. He probably... I don't, I don't know. I just think he probably was sitting there, minding his own business. He's a pretty quiet guy. Right. Well, they, they, they said that he took a selfie with the guy and signed an autograph, and the guy just kept probably bugging him. Probably drinking in first class. And thing. he kept bugging him and bugging him and bugging him. Yeah. <laughs> the first thing I thought of was that the guy was putting up his tray and kept hitting the back. Because wouldn't you oh. <laughs> like to pound out a person that you're sitting on a plane and the person behind you is slapping their, their uh, you know, tray up? You just want to punch them just I'll like... I'll tell you a funny story. Ron uh, usually sits on the aisle and I sit on the window. And, uh, and the guy puts the seat back and Ron has no room whatsoever. It's so aggravating. Yeah, I know. It's, it's aggravating. Ignorant. And the guy doesn't, you know, I mean... It, so I usually get up, have to go to the washroom. I, I do it anyhow. I don't have to, but I do it anyhow. And I bang the thing up. <laughs> and I look back and he thinks it's Ron all the time. <laughs> I bang the guys up. But, you know, there's no sense. Anyhow, I think that would be what happened with, uh, with uh, uh, I think he was bugging him. And, when you, and he's a bad guy to bug. <laughs> he must be, must be nuts to bug a guy like uh, I would have. I, I would have thought he would have been more black and blue. The way Tyson was sort well, of. He cut, like, him, he cut, cut him. him. Cut him pretty cut good. Him, but but you know the police aren't charging him or anything. No, you know because they they kind of knew. Well, what. You, you, we had a, we had t- tell that story, Tim, about uh, uh, what we we had in the restaurant. Yeah. So well, we had the a, a, a Dante's grapevine in uh, a Tobacone, Queen the Queensway, and this was back in the day where you had, if you wanted to see a fight, you had to go to a bar, like a pay-per-view. The pay-per-views weren't at home because we had right. the big dish. So there was a fight going on, and it wasn't a really, like, it wasn't a big fight. Yeah, so the, the, we were about half full, three-quarters full, and Lennox Lewis came. Yeah, and we... And he was, uh, he was, he was number one contender. He came by himself. And it was right after he got knocked out by that guy, uh, Hasim Ram. I think his yeah. name is, and he, he lost, like he was supposed to fight Hollyfield, yeah. and this was a tune-up fight, and this guy knocked, oh, uh, knocked Lennox Lewis out, lucky punch. So he comes over, and he was sitting by himself wanting to watch this fight, and then you went over to say hello, and you sat down with him for a little bit, and, and, we're, and we're chatting with him, and then this guy comes over and starts bugging Lennox Lewis. What a fool. Saying, oh, yeah, Lennox Lewis, gee, yeah, yeah, boy, that, boy what happened? How did you, you get knocked out by a guy like that? And he was gracious, right? Lewis, yeah, Lewis, and he kept answering him while uh, I, you know. those things And then happened. he goes, Man, like, how much money did you lose on that? You know, because it was oh. tens of millions, if not a hundred million dollars. Yeah. You know, you, you know what a Hollyfield, you know, you lost, you know, you're not going to fight Hollyfield. How could you lose? And he just kept it up, right? And then finally you said to the guy, hey, buddy, get the mm, out of here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you could see he was just trying to get him, his, 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 bug, him bug him too so much. So the, the bouncer... Uh, wait, so that's probably probably the same thing that happened to... Right, the guy was just bugging Tyson until he could... And, and sitting on a plane, he can't move. And I, bad guy to bad guy to bug. Well, tell us about the time you were on the plane with the guy with the cigarette. Oh, yeah. I, I think we for... told it once before, but it's pretty oh, scary. Oh, right, yeah. 
I remember I was sitting on the aisle. I was sitting by myself, by the way, by the aisle. And this guy, he's a big, tall guy, and he was scruggly beard and everything like that. And he and uh, the the the, the uh, stewardess told him to sit sit you know sit in your regular seat. Now he would he wouldn't. So now he, he go they go and tell uh, the airplane pilot, and he goes back, and the guy still wouldn't. Well, what are you going to do? I mean, the guy was the guy was a pretty big guy, evil looking guy, and uh, he was he was sitting on the seat. Standing in the aisle, sitting on the seat, yeah, and uh, smoking a cigarette. On the armchair. <laughs> you could smoke back in those days. He was supposed to be smoking a weed in the back, and in the front. And uh, I could see he turned the cigarette, and he kept bugging, kept bugging. He turned the cigarette around with the with the uh, ash or the hot stuff, out, and I knew he was going to he was going to give it to me. I don't know why I was being nice to him, and all of a sudden. Two great big, two great big ants grabbed him and lifted him up, and that's the last I saw of him. And everybody was quiet. Everybody, everybody moved. You know <laughs> what the heck's going on? I couldn't stand it any longer. I had to get up and take a look. And here, here he was sitting between at the at the at the at the washroom. He he was sitting between two guys, two great big guys, and there was blood running out of his nose. So the one guy, as I walked by, he looked at me and he winked like that. And when I found out about ten years later, I I talked to those guys. I talked to one of those guys. There were two detectives flying out to Chicago to get a, a prisoner to bring back to to Barry. I think it was Barry, Ontario. And uh, boy, I was I happy to see those guys because I knew. I knew if that guy had a gun at me, I was going to cork him, and I'd have been in all the trouble. So Ron would have jumped in and helped you. Ron, I didn't even know where he was, and you know, not not a guy, not a chicken shit guy, you know, would help me out. And they all looked straight ahead. But I suppose I don't. They mind him. their own business. I suppose so. Anyhow, I was sure glad to see those two big big V hands. Just did they ever grab a boy? And, and he, never, you can't do. Boom, and and he was sitting between these two big guys. And the guy gave me a wink as I walked by, and, and I found out who they were. Ten years later, he said, do you remember the time? I said, I sure do. Dad, we had a sad passing in the hockey world, uh, Guy Lafleur, and boy, you, uh, you th- I, th- I think of him. I think of his flowing hair, and his sweater seemed to flutter while he was so, yeah, such a silk, fast had sk- That's what I think of him. I should, I should have thought of him other way around as a coach. Maybe I would have would have won a cup. But he, I remember him flying down that side there, and his hair flying in the back, and the, and the sweaters fluttering. They don't seem to flutter now anymore. Why no, is that? I don't know what it is. They, I don't know what they, they make. They fit it. tight too tight now. Yeah, his well, was always like loose and yeah, he, made him look like he was skating faster. Boy, he was something. Let me just say what he won. I, I wrote this down: six, uh, five Stanley Cups. Maybe it should have been six. It should have uh, three Art Ross trophies. Two Hart um, Memorial, that's the most valuable player. Uh, three Lester Peterson Awards. Six First All-Star. That's the, you know, it's a funny thing. I look at the, the 74, 70, 1975, 76, 77, 78, 79. That's when I, when I, when I had to face them. And when I, <laughs> God, I took over. Any other team I could have be, we could have beat with them. Took, well, the first year we took them uh, four games. They took us four straight, and is that ever awful to see the other team skate around and, and you're uh, and 
and then we took them six the next game, and then and seven the next game. If had a if I had a, if I could have coached one more year, I might no, have got Bark. They all they all retired after that though. Yeah, they, they all, all like Dryden left, Scotty left after that. And then that. you left. The and then you left Boston. <laughs> well, I anyhow he won uh, one Conn Smythe winner, and he was Molson Cup winner, and all the years that he played. I, and I wrote that down. Boy, I'll tell you, he was something, boy. And um, you know, the people that didn't see him play, he, he was uh, him and Bossy were sort of the same type. They. Uh, I didn't know Bossy that well, but I knew Lafleur quite well. Well, you coached him, didn't you? Well, I coached him over in uh, Sweden. Where were we? Well, Sweden. Sweden. It was the World Championship. Yeah. And you, you coached him in '76 Canada Cup. We, we like we were uh, we were uh, we were supposed to get. Um, <laughs> yeah, because they were supposed to beat uh, Edmonton. Yeah, and 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 we were they were, we were kind of expecting Gretzky and Coffee. Yeah, and then Edmonton upset Montreal. Yeah, and then and then uh, Guy and and um, and Larry Robinson came. Do you know in that draft that draft year, they picked Guy first, right? Yeah. In the second round, they picked Larry Robinson. These are lucky guys. <laughs> I I kind of got mixed up on this here. I was down in the American Hockey League, but you were following it pretty close. Tell us how Canadians got Guy Lafleur. Right. So the the, the team that was going to get first overall for the next couple of years was the California Golden Seals. They were kind of the expansion team, yeah. right? So the year before Guy was going to be able to be drafted, Sammy Pollock, who you said is the smartest guy you ever met. Ever, ever met. He traded, uh, he traded the year before. He traded um, for some Swap the picks, not that year, 1970, but swap the picks in 71, knowing that they were going to finish last, and Guy was going to be available, and a couple of players and all that. And sure enough, California ends last. Montreal gets the first pick. and But they there was a little bit of, like, do you take Guy Lafleur or Marcel Dion back then? Well, both and, terrific players. Right. But I- and then when – so they took – let's put it this way. Like, hard to believe because – in his last year with the Ramparts and in junior hockey, get this, Guy had 130 goals and 209 points in 62 games. Oh boy! And uh, well, you De- know who he was going to pick? Yeah, and Dion had 60, had 143 points in St. Catharines. Both played, good, great players. So Dion played in the OHL, and Lafleur was in the Q. How yeah. Did, how did um? I don't know how that works. Yeah, that's I have to look different. I don't know. You have to know how Marcel ended up in St. Catharines. Yeah, of all yeah. places. So, so they took him, and he had like he, he the first three years he had twenty goals, but he wasn't the, he wasn't the, Guy Lafleur. He wasn't the Guy, and then Marcel Dion the second year got forty, and then took off. Well, don't forget he took off his helmet. And then the third year he took off his helmet, or fourth year I guess it was he took, he took off. off his helmet, and then right after he took off his helmet, he went to the roof. You coached him in 1981 over in Sweden, and I was lucky enough to go. And I have to say, he was probably the most low-key superstar that I've ever met. Shy. He was almost shy. He was almost shy. Never really, you know, like kind of... Wanted to be one of the guys. Yeah, wanted to be one of the guys. Just kind of joked around, like was never a rah-rah guy or anything like that. And and there really was kind of... Like you know, because it was Guy Lafleur, right? Like he, Guy Lafleur, he was the greatest player at that time. Yeah, you know, Gretzky, well, was, Gretzky was just coming in. Yeah, Bobby. So Orr. the last, well, Bobby was gone; he had retired. Yeah. So you look and you go at that time playing. He was he was the greatest, greatest hockey player, greatest ever. hockey player, and he just mellow guy, like Barry said. Remember hello. the time he he, he played against uh, he, the Germans in an exhibition game? 
Was it an exhibition? No, it was a regular game. That's regular what I played. Yeah, we were going to beat them. And I did not want to play them because they just got off the plane. Yeah, they literally got off the plane that morning flying, flying at night. Yeah, and I said, no, let's, let's uh, get, get their bearings. And they said, no, I'll let them play against the Germans. And, you know, there won't be much of a game. Well, I would know what it was. I remember the doctor saying it'll help their get their clock, their body clock back on schedule. Oh, yes. Oh, is that, is that what he That's uh, what he said. Got, a, got his body clock back he, on he schedule got already. Body got, <laughs> so I said, you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid of, he's a Canadian, but he comes he's from Germany. playing for Germany. Yeah, or whatever. He wants to make a name for himself. And and, and he did, and, he, and I said, I'm afraid that he had hurt, hurt Guy. And <laughs> Lucien Debois, I hate to say it, one of my favorite players, Give him a suey pass up the middle, and he was looking back, and sure enough, the Canadian German or German Canadian or whatever you want to call him, come across, and did he break his nose? Oh boy, <laughs> I and I was so mad. I remember the German coach put out his hand to shake my hand. Get your hand into my face, or I'll, I'll break it. I was so mad, I because I, I knew it was going to happen, and that's exactly got a guy's got his got his name in the paper. Yeah. So tell the funny story. We're playing the Russians. And we're we're the only team that year in that tournament to outshoot the we Russians. Could, yeah, we, we should have beat them. them. And in the first period, Guy Lafleur and Mike Felino have a breakaway in from the red lines. Two on none from the red line. Two on none. Guy passes to Felino. Felino uh, keeps the puck and goes in and misses the net by a hundred feet. <laughs> and so I walk in and, and I said, you know, how many goals did you get last year, uh, uh, Mike? And he says. Uh, what do you get, 15, like 20 or 15. 15 or something? And I, that was the year that uh, uh, Guy had got 60 or something. Anyhow, I said, you know, if you ever have a th- uh, two on nothing again, pass it to the guy that's got 60 goals, okay? <laughs> <laughs> the most I remember, Tim, about that, are you going to tell the story about uh, uh, Robinson with the... With uh, oh yeah, with the uh, ear. Yeah, Larry Robinson. He was a funny guy too. He was walking around. And it, yeah, he was always joking around. And, and he was uh, a little bit more boisterous than uh, Gila Flora. Oh, right. yeah, he, he was, was like he was always cracking jokes. Always, He's the comic relief. Right. So, for some reason, he got Q-tips to put in his ears. Q, yeah, Q. <laughs> well, I think too. Star Wars would have been popular then. But I, I, eighty-one, I guess. So, and but they weren't the short Q-tips; they were the really long with, ones. with the wood, wood, with, with the wood. wood. So, and he put them in his ear, <laughs> and he's going around saying, "Look at me, I'm a Martian. Look at me, I'm a Martian." We're all kind of looking at him. It wasn't very. And he went to grab the Q-tips, and he didn't realize how long they were, and he jammed one in his ear, oh. and it broke off. He oh. goes, "I can't hear." The doctor rushed him to the the. Canadian doctor comes, oh. he looks, he pulls out the Q-tip, and there's blood all over it. He punctured his eardrum. Yeah. Oh, how painful. I mean, you, the next day you said, uh, <laughs> what, what, what did you say? Well, because during that world tournament, you couldn't even take an aspirin. Oh, like, like right. Like the drugs thing. Like you yeah. could, so they just said, look, Larry, they said, you know, you can give you some painkillers, but you can't play. And he was like, what am I going to say? I can't play because I stuck a Q-tip in my ear. <laughs> so he didn't take it. So the next morning... We're at breakfast, and you go, hey, hey, Larry, <laughs> Larry, how you feeling? He says, well, you know, Grapes, he says, uh, last night, he says, if I had a gun, I think he would have found one dead defenseman in my other room. <laughs> yeah, he, but, anyhow, that yeah, was. Yeah, but he was really, I mean, he was such a nice guy, and you, you read. No, really, you read. No, you have to realize that, that all the players really liked him, like really liked him as a person. 
But I remember he broke his nose, and he really broke his nose bad. We had a, not a party, but we had it in a room like a big, and by God, he showed up, eh, with yep. blood running down his nose, running out of his nose, had, having a beer with the guys. He just wanted to be one of the guys. Man. Very humble. Is that the good word for humble him? Is, humble, yeah. Humble is, believe me, how about he was. The, how about the time, Tim, you were sitting sort of by yourself at a big table, and he got your plate and brought it over to no, say you're, Tim, you tell that story. Yeah. Do you want to tell the whole story? Yeah. Okay. Well, that's story's, story's a little long. We won't mention the player. We'll, we'll, no. We won't mention the player's name to protect the guilty. So, there was one player that kind of—I wouldn't say didn't like Guy, but the other players were kind of like didn't, no, I, they didn't—they didn't like this one player. And so, it was the day after Guy got hit and broke his nose, and you said to Larry Robinson and Guy, just stay home from practice. Because, you know, they tired yeah. and all that. And, and Larry said, no, I want to practice. And Guy says, no, I'm going to take the, the doctors want to take him up because he broke his nose, right? He's just yeah. swelling. So there was the guy in the dressing room that not, the guys weren't crazy about going, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, big, big superstar Guy Lafleur, he doesn't have to practice. Well, the players all kind of looked mm. as if to say, "Like what?" <laughs> and they all like, like they looked at the guy, and they were, they were they didn't say anything. They but they kind of looked at him and say, "Who are you to be bad mouthing <laughs> Guy?" So we had to practice. We had to get dressed in the main rink and then get our get the skates, go on a bus, and drive to about twenty minutes, a half hour to this little dinky rink. So everybody gets on their bus and he gets on. So I see this guy getting off the bus, and he looks, and he, he forgot his skates. Oh, no. So he just stayed on the bus. Yeah. And it was quietly, because he was embarrassed. He, you know, everybody, make sure you have your skates, and he forgot his skates. So the players were skating around, and they said, where's so-and-so? Well, oh, yeah, Guy doesn't have to practice, so so-and-so doesn't have to practice. Yeah. So now Ooh. there's a red-hot hate for this guy. Like, so they think, I mean hate. They think that he's, like, making a point. A point that if Guy doesn't have to practice, I don't have to practice. So, and you, you know who was, who was most upset was Lanny McDonald. Well, he was a good friend of his. He was just, Lanny was just livid. So, that was it. They ostracized this guy. It doesn't take they, much. They, tell, tell about the so, time, about the dinner. So, I was, I was doing something, and, like, they, they, each team had, like, a, we were at a hotel, so each team had a banquet hall, like, to have their dinner, like, have a team dinner. So I come in, and there's th- like three tables, and two of the tables are jammed with guys. And there's one, the, the player that they're mad at, who, you know, that they thought slighted Guy, was sitting by himself. <laughs> so I got my dinner. Like, there's no, no place to sit. So I you sit. jammed in. So I, so I sat at his place, and Guy came up, got my plate, and says, no, you sit with us. Whoa. And that guy sat by himself. <laughs> that speaks volumes. You know, that guy, I just... Just to end this story, that guy, I said, we were beating the Russians. They were, we were, I think we were up by a goal or we were tied, and we had him on the ropes and we, going into the second period. I said, don't get a penalty. Whatever you do, don't get a penalty, because they were, they were pretty sharp on the penalty. Yeah. I'll be a son of a bitch. The first minute he goes out, I remember, I remember him <laughs> flipping the guy's feet out from under him. It's like he did it on purpose. In mid-ice, you said. Yeah, well, it was right, at right center ice. Off. Right off the face-off. <laughs> Yeah, then they never, scored, and they took they off. They scored, and then we lost. Oh. Yeah. We, we, we could have beat them, though. We could have been the first team to beat them. Yeah, no, as we said, we outshot them. But, uh, you know, it was, we had Guy on the Grapevine show. Yeah, we had him on the show. And uh, But I, I tell you one more story about Milbury. Milbury yeah. was an American we had on our club, the only American we had in our club. But he didn't say, he did not, 
have the awe that maybe I should have had the awe of him. Maybe we would have won Stanley Cup. Milbury, he, you know, he, he he did not feel this way. And did he, him and, and uh, Lafleur really had something going. He backed Lafleur, and it got to the point that uh, I re, I never forget this as long as I live. He takes a puck, and Lafleur takes a puck, and shoots it at his head. And he, he went along the blue line, his own blue line, and Milbury was like just the back of the, the red line, and he shot at his head. If Milbury hadn't, I hate to say it, if he, Milbury hadn't moved his head, he was a dead man. You know, it, it, would have, it would have been the end of him. And I remember, boy, we were all our players were really mad. We are going to kill him and all stuff like that. And I remember him saying, uh, I know that won't happen. I know Don Cherry, which made me feel, I, I don't know whether it made me feel good or not. No, no, Tim, you can tell a story about uh, what you're going to do. How, how long is that? Um, yeah, we should wrap it up one more. No, you wrap it up. That... Yeah, we should wrap it up. I would. You should just wrap yeah, it up. Yeah, okay. I'll just say. You know what, you know, Tim, we had an interview on the grapevine. No, no, like I'll, I'll do that. Just just say something about Guy, like wrap it up. Well, maybe but... I, well, Tim, I said uh, he's a great guy. He was uh, a good, like you and him were good friends. Yeah, like, <laughs> well, yeah, we were good friends. Well, he was a friend. He was as friendly with me as he was everybody else. And he'd seen he cost me Stanley Cup every time. <laughs> but um, we have an interview with him. Uh, no, I'll, I'll, no we'll, I would bring that in, and then you can do it. No, we'll do that. We've got to do separate. that separate. Okay. I'm just saying, just kind of, we didn't wrap it up, this, this okay. thing. Good. Well, Tim, he was, he was, he, you start off. Well, Dad's uh, sad. You know, Mike Bossy last week and Gee this week, and you know, you and you guys. Every time Gee and you met, you always had a lot of laughs. Yeah, we, well, I used to kid him all the time. We used to say that he was offside on this, his big goal that he got against Jilly Gilbert, like the zinger along the ice. He does. He did. He didn't get happy though. Like, no, no, Donny, that well, was not offside. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we used to laugh about it all the time. He was a great guy. He was very humble, and and believe me, he was shy. Well, I, I didn't see, I haven't seen him for a while, but he's, he's, um, he's a good guy.